Well, good morning. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. Why don't you find a seat? Would you stand with us? And let's join with all creation and sing praise to the Lord our God. Our prayer is that Christ would be magnified in this place. Let's sing. Were creation suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues left one cry Then from north to south and east to west We hear Christ be magnified
fellowship. It's good to see you all today. My name is Matt Archer, and I work with our family ministry here at the church. Um, I have worked here since I was 24 years old. I know. It's crazy. I was thinking about this because I had a birthday last week, and um, a lot of you guys didn't get me anything, and I just want you to know there's still time. But, um, but I was just thinking, like, man, I have actually um, been on staff now longer than I've been off staff. And that's a crazy thought. And the reason, well, yeah, thank you, thank you. All right, I'm done. No, um, no, the reason I say that is because I love fellowship. And the reason I've been on staff this long is because I love what we do here. I love um, what I get to do on staff. I love the people I work with, but I love our mission and vision that we want to know and express the authentic Christ in Northwest Arkansas and the world. And I believe that we're doing that. And so I'm super excited to have you guys along as we do that. And so um, we have lots of opportunities to celebrate today, and I'm very excited to do that with y'all, with um, parent-child dedications, with baptisms, um, with everything we have going on right here. Let me walk us through a couple of announcements real quick. Um, the first thing is, if you're new, I want you to click on this, um, this little QR code. I, Wanted it to be like one of those things from the Super Bowl where it was like bouncing all over the screen just because I wanted to see everybody doing this, but they didn't allow that. Um, but if you can click on that and fill out the I'm new form, we would love to contact you this week and get you involved um, and let you know what's going on around here. Also, if you are a Rogers and Springdale leader, if you lead um, any sort of adult group, community group, re-engage, merge, um, disc golf, Whatever you lead, 
we have a leader training for you next week, and it's gonna be in the Family Center right next door at the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock service. And so we would love to have you attend those if you lead a Rogers and Springdale adult group, all right? Um, speaking of leading, we have lots of opportunities to lead here at Fellowship. Um, just like I said, our, our mission statement is to know and express the authentic Christ in Northwest Arkansas and the world, and we want you on board as we do that. And so there are many different serving opportunities, and it's not just filling a spot. We're changing the world here, and we want you to jump on board with us. And so there are serving opportunities at FSM, in children's ministry, in the hospitality ministry, um, in leading community groups. If you are already serving, thank you so much for doing that. If you are not serving, we would love to get you involved and love to get you plugged in. You can fill that, you can fill that form out online on the app or you can fill it out out there if you're old school, paper and pencil. Next thing we have is the parent-child dedication. We are so excited, excited for this. This is my friend, Robin Yates. Big hand for Robin. Robin is one of my favorite people, and she lives out our mission statement every day. I do not know anyone who loves kids and serves families better than Robin Yates. And so we have some beautiful families here today that would like to be dedicated. Great. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm so excited. Today, we get to have three families in this service alone um, who've chosen not just to dedicate their children, but to dedicate themselves to that mission of helping their children to grow spiritually. So let me introduce them to you. We're going to pray for them this morning. So we'll start with the Amadons. So this is Noah Amadon. Isn't that cute? <laughs> Noah has a big brother, Silas. And they say, spend a few minutes around Noah and you'll be captivated by his joy and smile. So we pray that the Lord gives Noah a courageous spirit to cultivate meaningful community and to love others well. We have Ellie Barnett, her parents, Chris and Becca. Say, Ella brings us so much joy. She lights up a room with her sparkly eyes and smile, and she loves playing with her hands, singing with mommy and daddy, and talking. Look at her cute little dress today. <laughs> so cute. And then lastly, we have Reed Halwax, his parents, Ryan and Taylor, so sweet, <laughs> coming home from the NICU at four pounds and 14 ounces. We've always said that Reed was tiny but mighty. That saying has been true in every way since we brought him home. So these are our families, and we're going to put a slide up that has all their names. If you wouldn't mind, grab your phones, snap a picture of this slide, and please use that as just a reminder to pray for them. We're going to ask something of you in this dedication, and this will be just a reminder for you each time you see that picture to lift them up and pray not only for these families, but that you would be faithful to helping them grow as well. Thanks, Robin. Uh-huh. Families, I have a charge for you, and if you, if you agree, I want you to respond, we will. Will you commit to pray for your children all the days of their life? Will you model a godly lifestyle for them? Will you live a life focused on God and his word? Will you train your children in the way that they should go? And will you commit to a marriage focused on Christ and serving one another? If so, say we will. Fellowship, I have a charge for you as well. Will you commit to praying for these and all the children at Fellowship Bible Church? And will you take the opportunity to encourage, to serve, to invest in these children here and all the children at Fellowship? If so, say we will. We will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these children. And Father, I pray for Noah right now. I pray that, that, Lord, you would make him worthy of the calling he has received. And, Lord, may he be built up by every work of faith in your power so that he 
may glorify your name, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for baby Ellie. I pray that, Lord, you would fill her with hope, joy, and peace as she learns to trust in you and she would walk by the power of your spirit. And Lord, we pray for Reed. I pray, Father, that he would know your word, that he would know salvation in you, and he would be brought up to know you well. And Father, we pray for these kids. I pray, Father, that they would grow into young men and women who love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Father, remind us as a church to continue to lift them up to continue to pray for them and continue to celebrate milestones in their lives, Father. Lord, we thank you for these families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we have lots of people here. <laughs> What's up, FSM? How's everybody doing? It's good to see you guys. All right, we have an awesome baptism. So, Tori, take it away. Yes, we do. It's a packed morning in church today. It's good. Look at the FSM students. FSM students, wave to parents. Congregation, yes. We're excited to be here. And I love family dedication, um, and I love family discipleship. And this morning, we get to celebrate both. Um, and I have up here with me um, the Moore family. I was like, next um, thing. Okay, go next. <laughs> this is Anisha. <laughs> And Warren. No, I know. Um, and their daughter, Aubrey. Um, and I just want to speak directly to you guys this morning. It has been a privilege and an honor um, to watch you guys love your daughters and to shepherd them in the way of Jesus and disciple them. And this is such a testament this morning that we get to experience um, just the way that you've done that. And so thank you for being an example to me and to the church body of doing that in such a beautiful way. Um, and then over here, we have Aubrey's cell group of seventh grade Bentonville girls um, here to support her. And so this is just a sweet picture of community um, in FSM. And so we love that. I'm Going to pass the mic to Julie Womack. She is one of Aubrey's cell group leaders, and she's going to share a little bit about Aubrey's spiritual journey with you. So thank you. I'm Julie, and I have been walking alongside these girls since uh, second grade, um, and it has been such a joy and a privilege to watch them grow and develop in their relationship with Christ. And Aubrey, I just want to say today, I am so excited to celebrate with you your decision and we will continue to walk alongside you. And you have set such an example for the rest of us. You pour into your sisters. You pour into your family. And you are such a great example to these girls. And so I'm so proud of you. Well, Aubrey, uh, as your father, I'm proud of the, your walk toward salvation and the belief that you placed in Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that because of that belief, you're already saved. But today we're here in front of our church family, your cell group, and all the angels to witness your testimony. So, Aubrey, is it your testimony that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Is it your testimony that you believe he came and died for your sins? Yes. And is it your testimony that you believe that he rose from the grave with all power in his hand? And so, Aubrey, it is upon the profession of your faith and your belief in Jesus Christ that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, spirit and death of Christ, raised to walk again in a new life. stand and let's continue to celebrate as we sing, lift our voice. When all I see is the mouth 
true this morning that the battle belongs to the Lord. We believe that he has saved us, his people. And so we sing of that transformation that he has brought us back to life. Would you join us as we continue to worship? For no longer Dead. 
Wipe out any fear or anxiety. Acknowledge that he's sovereign and that he's king in your heart. Lord, we pray for the Ukraine. We pray for peace in our world. We pray that you would protect the innocent, the women, the children, the soldiers who are at war. Lord, we pray that the end to this conflict would come quickly, even today, that they would lay down their swords. Lord, we pray for our world leaders who are making critical decisions about how to bring this to an end. Lord, we pray that this conflict would not escalate into a greater conflict. Lord, we pray for peace, for those who are fearful, for those who have anxiety, whether it's about the gas pump or the world economy or that this type thing might visit even us. Lord, we know you're not caught off guard, that you're not surprised, and that you were on the throne. So I pray that you would bring peace in the world and peace in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are Fellowship Bible Church. We exist to glorify God as we passionately follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are a community of believers led by the Spirit and under the authority of God's Word. We are better together. We grow together. As individuals, we strive to mature in our love for both God and people. As a church, we seek to grow in our health and our reach. We learn together. We study God's word so that we can know Jesus intimately and follow him obediently. We worship together. 
We meet each week shoulder to shoulder to worship the Lord, and then we scatter across Northwest Arkansas to live lives worthy of His name. We gather together. We come together face to face in small groups where we create a space to know the Lord and be known by others. We serve together. Arm in arm, we use our gifts and resources to make a difference locally and globally. We are on mission to love people well. We believe all people matter to God, are created in His image, and are worthy of service. We are Fellowship Bible Church. Together we release spiritual leaders who express the authentic Christ where we live, work, and play. And our hope and prayer is that we would change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. Transition as a church. In fact, today, February 27th, was the day that we were supposed to open up our third campus. Today's the original due date for us birthing our fifth congregation, Fellowship Bentonville, but we've had some delays that are outside of our control in the last month, and our due date has changed. I guess we've been put on bed rest. So we're just going to gestate and wait. No worries, God is sovereign. His timing is perfect. Our church is not bound by location. The baptism that was supposed to happen in Bentonville happened. Our church is not bound by physical barriers. And by the way, we thoroughly enjoy having you Bentonville people here. You're always welcome. So we'll patiently pray and we will faithfully prepare. Now, before we launch Before we enter into this major transition, I thought it might be appropriate this morning for us to pause and do some health assessment, both on the individual level and corporately as a church as well. I guess you could call it a spiritual wellness checkup. Do you go to the doctor for your wellness checkup every year, your annual physical exam? You should be doing that. You know that wellness checkup where they come in and run some diagnostics, maybe check your blood pressure, look in your ears and throat, take your heart rate, run some labs, get some some measurements to determine your health. Well, this morning, let's have a spiritual wellness checkup. And in order to do so, we need a tool. We need a standard to benchmark against. I thought we might use a familiar yet potent passage to do so. So open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at a parable, the parable of the sower. It's also called the parable of the soils. It's a familiar passage, and we'll use it to assess our own hearts, even assess our own church. A few reminders about the parables. Theologian Klein Snodgrass defined a parable this way. A parable is simply an extended analogy or story used to convince and persuade it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That, that word para it means alongside. So it's a story thrown alongside a central truth. Some reminders about how parables work. Uh, parables are designed to stir the imagination. They use vivid imagery, creative stories and analogies. And they use indirect communication. The subject matter of the parable is not to be taken literally but it contains a transferable truth. For instance, the parable of the soils is not about gardening or farming. There's a transferable truth there for life. They also invite further learning through the use of puzzles. A a parable contains elements that point to greater or spiritual truths that require you to think and to ponder. We'll do that together this morning And of course, a parable always has a context which determines its meaning. In today's parable, Jesus is on his initial preaching tour. And he's been preaching to the crowd, so he gives the crowds a parable about how to listen to his preaching. Brilliant. Mark chapter 4, let's pick it up in verse 3. Jesus opened by saying, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other soil, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So Jesus tells a parable, an agricultural story or analogy. It's a story about farming. And in doing so, he put himself on common ground with his audience because most people have a basic understanding of how a plant grows. And especially in the ancient world, they understood being a part of an agricultural-based economy. We all can relate to the story of a plant growing. We've surely put some soil and a seed in a styrofoam cup in grade school and watched it germinate in the window of our classroom. Or surely you've been to a farm or seen a neighbor's garden. Or surely you've at least been to a farmer's market or walked through the lawn and garden department of your local Walmart or been to a Whole Foods, right? So we can all relate to what's going on here. There are basic components in the story, the farmer, the seed, the soils, and the crop. In each scene of the story, the seed remains constant. That's the nature of God's word. But the soils and the results vary. There are four soils, the hardened path, the rocky places, the thorns, and the good soil. The results vary from nothing to Plants that start well but then falter to escalating measures of fruitfulness, 1 to 30, 1 to 60, even 1 to 100. But what does the story mean? What was that central truth that Jesus was throwing the story alongside? Well, one of the great things about this agricultural analogy is that Jesus actually gave us an answer key for the puzzle. In Mark chapter four, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, Lord, can you help us understand this parable? And we have Christ's explanation skipped down to verse 14. It says, Jesus explained, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. Immediately, we are given two key pieces of information Jesus offering insight to help us understand the puzzle of the parable. The seed is the word of God, the written and spoken word. The soils represent people, the hearts, the souls, the lives of those who hear, which would have included his audience of that day, and guess who else? Us here today. And what we'll see is that each person hears, but it's the condition of the soil. It's the condition of their heart that determines the end result. Let's go back to the explanation. It says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. In the explanation, Jesus revealed the backstory to each soil or heart condition. He gave the underlying factors behind the variance of receptivity and the variance of result. New information is introduced like Satan, trouble, persecution, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, worldly desires, and all of these affected the receptivity of the soil or the heart, and therefore, the result. Let's work through each one and see if we can figure this out. In verse 15, it speaks of what we'll call the hardened heart. It says some people are like seed along the path. 
where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The first soil or the path describes a person who is so hardened that their heart fails to receive God's word at all. Like seed bouncing off a concrete sidewalk, the word of God is rejected. This person, the one with the hardened heart, has been blinded by the enemy or biased by unbelief. This person maybe has been disenfranchised by hypocrisy or alienated by shame or disabled by doubt. When they hear the word, they don't understand. When they encounter spiritual truths, they never buy in. Some are even hostile to the word of God. It angers them. Maybe they've been fatigued by the harshness of life or hurt by the church or witnessed hatred come out of the very mouths of those who claim to love the Lord. So this first soil, it's the hardened heart. It's the calloused soul. The word takes no root and it bears no fruit. Can you relate? Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Or maybe you have a son or a daughter who's left the church. Or a friend or a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member who's just not interested or is highly resistant to spiritual things. The hardened heart. The second soil is the shallow heart. Look at verses 16 and 17, it says others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The second type of soil or person is the shallow heart. This person receives the word of God with joy. There's an an eagerness to them. There's an immediate response to spiritual things. There's an enthusiastic amen. But then the response proves to be shallow. There's no depth. There's no substance. It's merely empty words. Because as soon as it is tested, as soon as it costs something, they wilt. They ghost. The immediate amen turns into a quick see you later. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've made a commitment to the Lord. Maybe a spiritual New Year's resolution. How's that going? That comes to nothing. You signed up but never showed up. You made promises but never fulfilled them. Have you ever experienced a season in your life where spiritually speaking you were all talk and no walk? All hat and no cattle? Or as we say in Johnson County, Arkansas, gator mouth? Tadpole body. (laughs) Have you ever talked a good game to the Lord or the church and failed to back it up? The third soil is the distracted heart. Look at verses 18 and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. If you notice that all these people are in the church, they're all hearing the word. But the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke or throttle the word, making it unfruitful. This person has good intentions, but are choked by other things. Their heart has a lot of good aspirations, but there's also a lot of competing messages and distracting opportunities and desires. Busyness, responsibilities, important causes, full calendars, Places to go, money to spend. There's too many relationships, too many toys, too many career aspirations, too many worries, and it squeezes out the margin in your life. And it renders you ineffective in your spiritual life or your pursuit of spiritual depth. Have you been there? You ever had to triage your calendar and figure out what you're not gonna be good at? Have the worries of life crowded your spiritual soul? 
Have your kids' activities disrupted your spiritual rhythms? Have your travel plans prevented you from being consistent in spiritual things? It's a distracted heart. We live in Northwest Arkansas. Typically, people around here are well-educated, well-funded, upwardly mobile, usually busy, easily distracted. And we have to be careful that we don't cultivate a conflicted heart. Well, the last soil is the fruitful heart. It's described in verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. The receptive heart is described as good soil, and it produces exponential results. In this heart, there seems to be a high level of receptivity and responsiveness and application. These people don't merely hear the word, but as James 1.22 says, they do what it says. They don't merely hear the sermon, but as Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, they put it into practice. And I don't think that we should assume in this fourth soil an absence of adversity. Maybe this is a person who has fought through the bitterness of the hardened heart, the battles of the shallow heart, the busyness of the distracted heart, and in the end, they found a spirit of perseverance and obedience that leads to fruitfulness and multiplied impact or influence. Now, there's a, a point being made by the parable. I believe this is what it is saying to us, that the condition of our heart determines the fruitfulness of our future. I think it's true of us individually, and I think it's true of us as a church as well. Our response to the Lord and his word and his directives, his leadership determines our fate. Our obedience determines our destiny. Spiritual health is more than just religious participation. It's more than just occupying a seat on a Sunday morning or, or listening to a sermon. It's truth in action. It's wisdom in application. A fruitful heart is one that responds to the Lord faithfully day by day. Now, if you remember, we were going to take the parable of the soils and we were going to use it as a diagnostic, a benchmark for a, spirit, a spiritual wellness checkup. So let's go there. Which soil best represents you? Now, when I ask this question, what I mean is not in your past, so don't look in the rearview mirror. And I don't mean what you hope to be, so don't look out the windshield. I'm talking about right now. Where are you at in your walk with the Lord? Would you describe yourself as hardened? Or shallow? Or distracted? If you're raising teenagers, we know you're distracted. There's so much going on. Or fruitful. We're about to enter into a major spiritual endeavor as a church. And we will only be as healthy on the whole as the collective health of each individual. Which brings up the idea of our church health. Let's run the diagnostic on the church. Which soil best represents our church? How would you assess the heart of Fellowship Bible Church? Are we hardened or shallow or distracted or fruitful? You might even ask, can a church become hardened? Absolutely. There are lots of wounded churches full of hurt people. Or churches that walk in the flesh and have stopped following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Or churches that no longer find themselves in submission to the authority of Christ as revealed in his word. Can a church be shallow? Absolutely. Sure they can. Just replace the gospel with the golden rule. Replace the Ten Commandments with five steps towards happiness. Trade truth for tolerance. There are churches that have abandoned sound doctrine, exchanged it for a counterfeit version of the faith, or compromised their fidelity to the scriptures in their pursuit of being relevant to the culture. Sure, a church can be shallow. You want to know how to get there really quickly? Focus on church growth as opposed to church depth. 
or try to grow the budget instead of making disciples. And the next thing you know, you're a mile wide and an inch deep. Well, can our church become distracted? Absolutely. The church can take their eye off the goal and start pursuing some other target. They replace the glory of God for building an earthly kingdom with a ministry title or identifying with some particular political party or social agenda instead of the cause of Christ. Or a church can become just too busy with a full calendar of activities while failing to produce authentic evangelism and discipleship and trying to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, it's my hope and prayer that we would never be one of those things we just described. A hardened church, a shallow church, or a distracted church. Because the church is called to be fruitful. It's the fourth heart. It's the fourth soil. We're called to cultivate a heart that follows the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that yearns to make a difference in this world. We're called to grow, to multiply, to catalyze new life in Christ and to spread the good news of Jesus. Amen? And that's exactly what we want to see happen in our church. So when we run our diagnostic, we have to ask the question is, are we? And I've spent some time thinking about this over the last few months. Let's talk about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. You know, I would categorize my evaluation of us as a church in our history as being a known multiplier. We have cultivated that fourth soil heart and then applied it over time. Think about it. From seven families in a living room to three campuses and five congregations and multiple church plants. Just from right here on Pleasant Grove Road, we've launched the Mosaic Congregation, the Grove Church, Celebrate Recovery on two campuses, Fellowship Fayetteville, Samaritan Church on two campuses, and soon Fellowship Bentonville, plus partnering with many more ministries and several church plants. And it's my hope that that would not be rearview mirror thinking. You see, I believe that a multiplying ministry is a valuable kingdom asset. Whether it's an individual who multiplies in their own personal ministry like you and me, you and me doing evangelism, you and me doing discipleship, or whether it's your small group, your community group, that our eyes aren't inward, but we've always got room for one more. And I don't know if you've noticed, one more moves here every day. And our community groups have to have a fourth soil mentality that we would be willing to multiply, to spread the love. It's a valuable kingdom asset. And so it is in a church as well. Known multipliers are worth their weight in spiritual gold. This summer, Amy and I went to Maine because it was a place that is not hot. It's literally how we started. Let's go somewhere. Where is it not hot? We're not going to Florida. So we started looking for things to do in Maine, and I found this thing called a lobster tour. And it required Amy to put on a rubber apron and gloves. And it's kind of like deadliest, deadliest catch, but not very deadly. And we literally went out with this lobster boat, Captain Tom, Tom Martin on the Lucky Catch, and we pulled his lobster traps for him. Now think about this. We paid him for us to do his work. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So we were pulling out traps, pulling, throwing the crabs back. We measured the lobsters, the ones that were good. We kept, and then he sold those to us. And then, <laughs> True story. Now that I think about it, this dude is brilliant. So he was giving us all these stats. We were learning about lobsterine, and he was telling us about how Maine produces millions upon millions of lobsters every year. And I started asking questions like, how does that happen? And we have some local fisheries, like our trout fishery here, and we pull out several million trout every year, but we put in several million through a hatchery. So I was like, so where's the lobster hatchery? He said, no, we don't do it that way. I said, well, how do you keep multiplying to get all these lobsters? He said, well, in 1917, all of the lobstermen or women agreed that when we pull a female from the trap and we see that it has eggs 
we always throw them back. And then we notch their tail with a little triangle so that even when we pull the traps and they don't have eggs, we know to throw them back because a known multiplier is worth its weight in gold. We're a church that has a little notch in our tail. (laughs) That's our past. Our present is we're multiplying again. We're implementing expansion up the road off McCollum and Bentonville. And it's going to cost something. Some of you who've loved coming here for years won't come here anymore. And I'm going to miss you. And all of the people from Bentonville who are going, who serve here, leave empty places where they served. And we're doubling our need for leaders. So we need all of leaders to take those spots in Bentonville and here. So we've created a crisis of leadership, which I love. Because we have an agenda for your life. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are what? It's going to cost everybody here something. And we need you to sign up and fill the gap. We're planting churches We don't need to have a a mentality of what can the church do for me, but what can I do to help? We need to have the mentality that we're an aircraft carrier delivering on mission as opposed to a cruise ship. How can you take care of my needs? We're implementing change. Things are going to be disrupted over the next few weeks. But that's what gets me excited because of the third thing. Look around the room. This is what fellowship has looked like for The time that I've been here, usually no seats, people laying down coats and Bibles to save seats, usually people on the wall, or we've had um, community worship, or we've had overflow services and that kind of thing. In just a few weeks, we're going to have empty seats, and that is a good thing. Because at the same time that we're doubling our capacity, we're in a population surge in northwest Arkansas. People are moving here. Maybe they think for top five places to live in the country because they've got a mountain bike (laughs) or because there's work or our economy. But maybe they're going to find Jesus. Maybe that empty seat will be filled by your neighbor, your coworker, your friend at CrossFit or your friend from Rotary Club. And I am so excited that we will be able to scale our influence once again. And so I want us to pray about it this morning. Would you join me? And I want you to visualize someone or some people group or a neighborhood a business or a workplace in your mind and heart right now. It's a place that you live, work, or play. And I want you to pray that God would use you to reach them. Whether it's serving in our ministries or inviting them to fill one of these empty seats. Would you pray for them right now? Pray for them by name. Father God, would you extend the kingdom through us, but not build a kingdom with our name on it? Lord, would you grow the church and take all the credit? Father, I pray for every empty seat we're about to open up in Bentonville, every empty seat that will be here at Rogers, that you would fill them with people who need you, whether they need you to for their marriage or need you for their parenting or need you for their sin and addiction or need to come back to you because they've been hurt in other places. Fill those seats and do your work in them. Lord, I pray for that family that's in a moving truck even right now, driving to Northwest Arkansas. Lord, I pray that they would end up hearing the gospel of Jesus here or in one of our sister churches 
friendly ministries in Northwest Arkansas. Lord, I pray that you would mature them and turn them into disciples of Jesus and that you would use them to make a difference. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would extend the vision, extend the mission, and take all the glory for yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, fellowship, we love you, and we will see you back here next week. If you need prayer, we have prayer partners in the prayer room this morning that would love to pray for anything you have going. Y'all have a good afternoon. See you next week.